Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What is up, everybody? The back check, the breakdown of the trade deadline part two. It is Monday at 3.15 Eastern time, which means the trade deadline has just passed. We do have a couple of more trades that are starting to trickle in as we're going to be doing this. So we'll go over those in a little bit. But Stefan, I'm going to kick things to you because the big name Taylor Hall finally went off the board and it was an underwhelming return to say the least for the Buffalo Sabres. I think underwhelming is putting it generously. I mean, it just fits the way this season has really gone for them. So the Bruins acquire forwards Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo in exchange for forward Anders Bjork and a second-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. Now, you can look at this two ways. You didn't Because of the way Hall played this year, it was very unlikely that a first-round pick was going to go back. Oh. I think it was a need, but it wasn't. But you look at the Bruins, and you know Brian Law on NHL Network just said, when a player comes out and says, I wanted to go here and they made it happen, that is the last thing you want to hear. You want to work with a player. You don't want the player dictating. What we saw happen in Buffalo is Taylor Hall said, I want to be a, uh, a Boston Bruin, and that was the only team he was going to. Obviously, we don't know the behind the scenes. You know, We, all, we know what happened with the Islanders, all that kind of stuff. But the, the Sabres got played into what Hall wanted. And if Lawton said if he was the GM, he would have said, we're not going to do that, Hall. If you want to go to a new team, you can handle in the offseason. And yeah. The new ownership, the new management in Buffalo really uh, didn't do his job here and get what he needed to get back in the return. No, he definitely did not. That's very underwhelming. And I think that when you're looking at this move, right, you bring him in to help Eichel. Eichel doesn't play. He underperforms. And now he's gone, and you really just did not get compensated properly for him. So Jack Eichel this offseason, whether he gets traded or not, if he does, they're going to need to get a monstrous haul because of just to make up for this haul thing. But the Bruins made another move, which I think flew under the radar and is very good for them. They got Mike Riley from Ottawa. That's a defenseman that's going to come in and be able to help them, especially with the injury problems they have on that back end right now. So the Bruins had themselves a pretty dandy Monday on on this trade deadline. I mean, we can get Taylor Hall for what you got. And by the way, Curtis Lazar was thrown into this deal. I have no idea why. Curtis Lazar has more goals than Taylor Hall has this year. He's going to be a role player for him. And when they have somebody like Jake DeBrusque, who struggled this year, that Lazar is a type of player that could play that a similar game. So for Boston, that, that's a that's a good add. I mean, all they did was a second and a, and a and Anders Bjork. So good Elliot, for Boston. Elliot Friedman just announced Heaton Fleury is on his way to Anaheim. So yeah. Anaheim finally does make a move. It was questionable why they had not done anything because they're in a rebuild. It seems like 
it's going to take a little bit for them to get back into it. They have a star goaltender that I wish we could see on the national stage in the playoffs because he's just so good. They fired off two moves at the end there. They they got Hayden Flurry from Carolina and they sent Ben Hudden to Toronto. So Anaheim came in late right at that 3 p.m. deadline and made a couple of moves, basically swapped out defensemen. Um, so Hayden Flurry is a good young player, but another one that just trickled in if we're going to go that route is the Washington Capitals just got Michael Roffel from Philadelphia. Uh, the return's not known yet, but the Capitals love to add those big, gritty third, sure. fourth line players at the end of the, and that's a team that can beat you up, especially in an East where it's mostly speed and, and skill. The Capitals are a big physical team and that's a good addition for them coming postseason time. Going back to Hall and uh, the Capitals is uh, a source told me yesterday that the Capitals jumped in late on the Taylor Hall sweepstakes and, for you know the Bruins are the Bruins. They have a lot more issues besides. I mean, everything's a problem. Goaltending, defense, and offense has not been a strong suit. That's why they're they're not as good as they were last couple of years. But if Hall went to the Capitals, now that's a dangerous team. I'm not worried about the Bruins because they have a lot of other issues. But for the Caps, that's just adding a good player to an already great group. Because you see the Capitals, they're at the top of the standings, tied with the Islanders. They have the tiebreaker. I would be more concerned if he went to the Capitals. For the Bruins, the Islanders have dominated, but at the same time, I don't think Hall puts the Bruins over the top to go on like a run in the playoffs. I think if he went to the Capitals, you're talking about a Capitals team that's going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, that would have been some scary thing because you could yes. put them on either of the top two lines, and they got Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom already there, Tom Wilson too. So that, that would be a very intimidating top six to play against. But I think that we could uh, jump ship now to Toronto. I know that you wanted to talk about the Nick Felino trade. And Toronto made a couple of small moves. We mentioned they acquired Ben Hutton, who's going to help them on the back end. Uh, and Nick Felino was the big fish that they got, right? I mean, he, he was the guy that people were, knew was going to get traded to what team he went to. And Toronto, who already has an embarrassment of riches up front, adds a veteran forward, a captain from his former team. And they also add David Riddich. So I want to hear your take on Riddich first because you're a goalie, so I know you haven't watched him closely, but somebody like that's going to come in. Jack Campbell, we already know it. he's an amazing story going on there, 11 straight wins. Anderson obviously is pretty banged up, so they add Riddich. You have a three-goalie mix come postseason time. What do you think about that? Well, for David Riddich, he sort of lost his place in Calgary. When he first came up with them, he was a no-namer, and just he just shined. He flat-out shined, and since then, he really hasn't. This year, you know, 4 7 and one Two nine two point nine zero goals against nine oh four save. He's gotta be better. But now he's going to a Toronto team and Toronto is a better hockey club than Calgary. But defense is not a strong suit for this Toronto team. Their whole thing is let's outscore our opponents. So for me, I much rather would have seen the Maple Leafs go and get a Bernier. I know he's been there before, but you know, Kevin Weeks was just talking about on Angel Network. Bernier is a competitor. Don't look at his stats because he's playing behind a very bad you know, Troy Brennings are not a good team, but he's a competitor and he's a lot better than what his stats show. And I just think Rich, we see, you know, the games I've seen, when he gives up goals, he gets angry, he breaks his stick. It seems like he's a little on edge. And for a guy going to Toronto where they allow goals, they allow goals often. Campbell's been great, don't get me wrong. Campbell's a better option than Riddich. So if Riddich is going to play and get in there, he's going to have to make the most of his minutes because I don't trust him. If they need him in the playoffs, I'm not trusting in Riddich. We saw last year. You know, we split with Cam Talbot, and we saw what happened. Calgary imploded against the Dallas Stars. Was it the Dallas Stars? Yeah. Yep. So you're talking about a Toronto team that's going for it with the Felino deal. They're trying to make a big run. If you have to rely on Riddich to win you a, a playoff series, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. 
Well, I, it looks to me like Riddich will be the backup, right? Because the yeah. way Campbell's played in front of them, I, why why would you start anybody else over him, especially if Anderson's out? So Riddich is going to be relegated to the backup third string role, most likely, which might be good for him. You know, a little change of pace, he's going to get limited time, but when he does, he knows he has to play well. So that might be good for him as well. But another one that actually just came in, Jordy Ben's going from Vancouver to Winnipeg. So Winnipeg bolsters up that blue line in hopes of a playoff push. And, that's a team that people thought might be out of the playoffs this year. They might be borderline, but they played very well. So now they get another veteran defenseman. Good pickup for them. But Nick Felina, right? That was the big fish that Toronto got. Not much given up there. More, more than Taylor Hall got, which is surprising. But Nick Felina winds up in a very good situation. They got a good mix of veterans and, and youngsters. And oof, if, if he could find his scoring touch again with that team, look out. But see, they bring him on and he's defensive minded. That's why this is a very smart move. They are so offensive based. They needed a guy that could be smart in his own zone. Felino's not the goal scorer he once was. Now, again, he was playing on a third line in Columbus where they've struggled. He's going to Toronto with his offensive base. So is he going to score more goals? Probably, but he's been brought in there to be like a defensive check. When players go up, he's going to stay back and play that role. The funny thing is, it was, it was what you just mentioned. They got a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So Toronto Maple Leafs acquire Nick Foligno from the Blue Jackets and forward Stefan Noesen, Noesen, from the San, San Jose Sharks in exchange for a first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Going to Columbus and a fourth-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft is going to San Jose. So that was a three-team trade there. What they did was both teams used San Jose as a take-on cap. Like, yep. That's the biggest thing. We talked about it. Yesterday on the um, the first part of this trade deadline special is the fact that there are teams out there that can take on cap. Why the Blackhawks were so high on the trade tracker as the 13th best option because they can do that. The San Jose pretty much that middle ground where, hey, give us some cap, we'll make it work. But Felino, it's a perfect move for Toronto, like we said. They're not going to out-defend you. That's just not how they operate. They're going to outscore you. Know, if they have a guy on the in the lineup that can play well in the defensive zone, on the penalty kill, do those little things – That'll go a long way for seeing how far of a run Toronto could go on in this playoffs. Yeah, it definitely will. And, uh, I mean, Toronto is a team that right now they're sitting pretty atop the North, and they know that the playoffs are going to be there. But we also have watched them for last season get eliminated in the qualifying round, and the three years prior to that was the first round. So this is a team that if they can get past that first round, who knows what they can do? Because once that weight's lifted off their shoulders – you know, that that's freeing, especially for these young guys. So now you bring in somebody like a Nick Felino, who's been a part of beating them two of the last four seasons when they've been eliminated. And he's going to come in. He's going to help these guys. He's going to prove why Columbus did what they did to Toronto and kind of flip the script there, especially against Canadian teams now this year, where it's not going to be a Columbus or a Boston who's shutting them down defensively. It's going to be a more open style playoff game for Toronto. So they might thrive this year in a, in a unique postseason. And Felino is just going to help them out. Yeah, I mean, first round picks are a little overrated. You know, we think when we hear the, we used to hear like the first round pick, that was such a big thing. But you look at teams like the Islanders who are willing to give up a first round pick or potentially, you know, they gave one till, to the Devils. Is if you're really banking on your team going on a long playoff run, that first round pick is not as valuable. You know, Toronto is not going, giving up a first round pick thing, saying, excuse me, oh, that might be a top, it's not going to be a top five pick. It'll probably be a 20 to a 32, depending on where they finish. So it, it's so much easier. Felino giving up a first round pick doesn't hurt. Felino is a UFA. I'm assuming this is a rental. And I have a really strong feeling that he's going back to Columbus. He made that clear that does it, that he would re, he could return to Columbus. I mean, he's the captain there. 
he said he felt it in his heart and his gut. This was the right move to make. He had a moderate or no trade clause. So he had the options there. I think his home is Columbus. I think he goes on a run as an older player. He deserves the opportunity to fight for a cup. And then he joins this Blue Jackets team again uh, to start next season. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I second that as well. And the fact that his family is actually staying behind in Columbus, I think, is a, a big you know indication that he's going to come back. And obviously, spending that much time in Columbus, being the captain of that team, he started a home there. And we forget a lot of times during these trade deadlines that these players have families, especially the older ones, right? So if they're comfortable in Columbus, why would he not want to go back, finish his career there, sign a couple of one-year deals, and then eventually retire and have a home and, and be able to keep his family comfortable. But another team that I think we have to talk about in that North division is Montreal, right? After acquiring Eric Stahl from uh, the Buffalo Sabres early on, they wound up going out. They got John Merrill yesterday and they add Eric uh, Gustafson today. So it's a couple of really good moves on their back end. And Montreal is a scary team. When you look at the young talent up front and now the mix of veterans on the back end, that's a team that could give Toronto some problems in that North division. I mean, you are seeing playoff teams adding depth. That is the biggest thing you could do with the deadline. It is never a bad thing to have extra players, and especially, first off, Montreal's a younger team. They have a lot of young guys, but again, take advantage of this taxi squad. You know, you don't. You have options. You don't have to have all your young prospects sitting on a taxi squad. They could be in the minors. You could have veteran. You want the veteran guys out there because the last thing you want to do, and we spoke about this is if you, someone goes down with an injury, the last thing you want to do is throw a player into the lineup in a playoff atmosphere, especially if you're talking about Canada. Mm-hmm. A playoff atmosphere in Canada where the, you know, sh- the shining the brightest there, going and never played before. And, you know, it's probably going to be a tough for a young guy. So getting veteran defensemen for a team that is, you know, we talk about their defense was an issue. It was always Carey Price. It had to be Carey Price. You're making it easier on everybody when you solidify your defensive unit. Yeah, and and for a team last year, right, that kind of surprised everybody by beating Pittsburgh and getting into that first round, Jeff Petrie shined. He's still playing great this year. You have Shea Weber. Now you add John Merrill. You add Gustafson to that mix. They have a couple of young, talented defensemen there too. So uh, that's a dangerous six unit. And all of a sudden you get Eric Stahl in that forward group too for a group that's already producing. And look out because now Montreal becomes a team that can compete for a cup again. So I really do think it is a good good unit that they did and a couple of good depth moves and John Merrill's going to fly under the radar. Not many people know about him, but he's a very good stay at home defenseman. And I said this in, in a chat with a couple of hockey people that I talk with. If you are watching a game, a Montreal Canadiens game come next week or two weeks, whenever he enters the lineup yeah. and you don't hear John Merrill's name at all, that's a good that thing. means he's doing his job. And that's exactly what Montreal acquired him for. So for Montreal, a couple of very sneaky, good moves. And that's a team that's going to push Toronto now in that in that four-man playoff. And one more thing to add is the saying defense wins championships is 100% correct. You yeah. saw, yes, Tampa could score goals. And they're one of those few teams that has a dominant offense and a dominant defense. But guess what? Their offense is from their defensemen as well. And you look at Toronto where I don't think they're going to do well because they don't have as good as a defense as other teams in that division. We saw Winnipeg you know, try to um, clean up their defense by adding their player they got. But Montreal is putting themselves in a spot where we're going to play our game, play defensive, and make the most of our opportunities. For Toronto, if they don't score, if other teams shut them down, they're going to have a hard time doing anything. Yeah, it's completely true. And, I mean, Toronto is a type of team that can score at will. And Montreal kind of knows that they're going to have to beat Toronto, I think. So they're bolstering the back end to try to limit how much they can score. They 
They have the goaltending, right? Carey Price is probably going to start, but Jake Allen can come in at any given moment and play well. We've seen it this whole season. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup and how it's going to play out in the North Division. But I think one more before we get into winners and losers and all that, Jeff Carter, yeah, big veteran guy from the Kings. And, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be the team to pick him up. So they just add offense to a team that has been – a little shaky at points, but they somehow find ways to win. And you could put Jeff Carter on any of those top two lines, and he's going to find a way to score playing alongside either Malkin or Crosby. And you add a winner. That's the biggest thing. You have added a winner now into your lineup. He has two Stanley Cups. And look at the Kings. And there was a part of this where the Kings might have made the playoffs. They had a, they had a pace. Right now they are 39, 40, 41, 40. Six points out of a playoff spot, if my math's correct. It's usually not, but they're not making it, and they move it. I'm kind of shocked that Dustin Brown wasn't moved, if you're going to move players. But Jeff Carter goes to the Penguins. Not a great year for Carter, but again, he wasn't playing big, big role as he's used to playing. He has eight goals and 11 assists, but he joins a Penguins team where he, he's going to be a depth guy. And again, depth is so important in the playoffs. You can't say it. He's a leader. He knows what it takes to win. And for a Penguins team, where we could say they're a veteran playoff team. They got some young guys in the lineup this year, especially on the back end. So you just added a veteran, and I think that the return wasn't bad at all. And Jeff Jeff Carter is one of those guys that's not as dominant in the face of Dottie as he's been in the past. This year he's at 46.3%. But the last couple of years, 51.2%, 51.3%, 55.8%, 51.9%. So he wins the majority of the faceoffs usually, and obviously he can increase that number being a part of the Penguins now. And now you're, you know, you're adding a guy from a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs to a team now has a chance to go on a run. Now, I don't think the Penguins will go on a run this year. I just think their, their time is slowly coming to an end. But they're one of those teams that surprise you. Anytime you have a guy like Sidney Crosby on your team, even Malkin, guys like that, Latang, turn it up in big moments. We've seen the Penguins at the end of the season go on runs, get themselves in a playoff spot, and then make a move. But Brendan, do you have to announce another trade? A big one. No. A big trade just came in, and it is featuring the Red Wings and the Capitals. Now, the Red Wings were eerily quiet this whole time, right? And they had a couple of big pieces. Can I guess? Sure. Um, Bernier. Wrong. Grice? Mm-mm. Glenn Denning? Not a goalie. Nope. You're, you're not going to guess this one because I didn't know if he was going to be moved or not. Kevin Weeks is the one that just broke this. Yeah. Hearing the Detroit Red Wings are moving Anthony Manta to the Washington Capitals in exchange for Richard Ponick and Jacob Vrana and more. So the Capitals just traded Vrana, Ponick, and what is believed to be a first and a second round pick for Anthony Manta. I thought that Vrana and Ponick were really good. Um, that, that should have been enough. And mean- they gave up a first and a second as well. Well, at least he didn't get Taylor Hall, am I right? Uh, I mean, that M- Manta is a very underrated player since he's been in Detroit. Very fast, young, controllable. So it makes sense why Washington would want to add him. But that's a hefty, hefty package. Detroit is sitting pretty with that package. You get two NHL-ready players right now who are young and going to contribute, and you get a first and a second-round pick, and we know what that team can do at draft picks. You had a feeling Verano was going to get moved at some point because he was a healthy scratch more often than not as of late. He wasn't scoring goals. Richard Ponick's your depth guy, but underrated. I mean, remember that move he made? He made a, some sick move a couple of years ago with his skate. But you, Anthony Manta, again, it's underrated because nobody watches Detroit unless you're a Detroit fan. It just doesn't happen. And he's a very talented forward. They just made the cap. I think this just made the Capitals better. Yeah, uh, that's that's a very interesting move. The Capitals definitely add a great piece for this season. But 
We're talking about, I know we had talked about it on our shows a couple of times, Ovechkin's window and, and how the Capitals might want to win one more cup while he's still there. You just hemorrhage that window even more by moving two pieces and your future first and second round picks right there. So that that's a hefty price to pay for Monta. I mean, they're going for it. You, you know they're going for it. Now, again, I really thought they would go and get another goaltender. Not that Samsonov and uh, Vanacek have been great, but just getting another one, I thought, because that's, that's what I heard, Detroit. Detroit was going to look to move Bernier. They may have re-signed him, but I think Detroit just said that because the last you want to give yourself more time to make a deal. If you say, oh, we might be re-signing Bernier, another team might say, all right, we'll give you this. That way you don't do that. could be completely lying. They have Grice under contract. They can easily get a backup with the goalie market available. They definitely like Bernier a lot, and I think that they're going to wind up re-signing him now and just keep that tandem, which honestly works for them because they need the goaltending help right now. So to keep two guys that they know can do the job, that that's something they they are going to have to thrive upon and and use, but that's a big big trade for them. And Detroit might now sneak up into that winner column, getting a first, a second, and those two players. That that's a good return. Everything Detroit has done over the last year, in the offseason last year, who they brought in to this year, guess who's at the helm, Brendan? Steve Eisman, man. Steve Eisman finds a way to always get stuff done, and Detroit. You know, I feel bad for Detroit fans just because it, it's tough to watch a team rebuild. As someone who's watched the Islanders my whole life, it was a nightmare for a while. Unfortunately for Detroit, they got to see a lot of winning teams. Not They won Cubs, but they got to see, what is it, 25 consecutive years in the playoffs, something like that. I mean, they were right. dominant for a while. They could take a couple of years to rebuild. But this rebuild, Brendan, might go a little shorter than people expect. It might be. And, I mean, they have so many people that are going to be coming into their team over the next year and a half, two years that – it's going to be dangerous to watch, but wow, that that's a big move. And I'm, I'm kind of rattled right now that Capitals still gave up that much, but wow, that, that is a very, very big move for both sides. And it's going to make Washington even harder to play against come postseason time too. Yeah, and you look at this and go, okay, Taylor Hall or Mantha, and what, who else did they get in that deal? Who? Capitals. Besides Mantha, any players that are going to no, play right it's now? it's just Mantha. Pick. I like Mantha better for the Capitals fit than Hall. I, well, I just, it does, yeah. I don't think that Hall they might have called, but Mantha is somebody who's younger and better. Hall would have been a UFA. Mantha's controllable yeah. at least, so yes. I think it is a better move. But they did give up a lot. So Richard Ponick is a solid third, fourth-line player, but Jacob Vronick's got wheels, and he's been good for the Capitals. So that that's surprising that they would part ways with him. But, you know, going local for a second, we did watch the Islanders play the Rangers last night. They beat them in OT. Kyle Palmieri, trade deadline acquisition, makes his impact. First goal with the Islanders. And, you know, you're starting to see the Islanders acquired Braden Coburn, too, for depth on defense. And that that's what teams need from their trade deadline acquisitions is that performance from Palmieri. The Rangers didn't make any moves today, but they did sign Zach Jones, which is a huge ad playing from UMass, won a national championship. Jeff Gordon actually just told Molly Walker of the New York Post that he made a couple of calls, received calls, but nothing that he thought would make the team better came to light. I wonder what's going to happen this offseason because I do see the Rangers being active, especially if Eichel is available and certain things start to come out around the trade deadline, uh, not trade deadline, draft, I should say, and the expansion draft as well. So I think the Rangers are more of an offseason team, but the Islanders are reaping the rewards of their trade deadline acquisitions already. Yeah, and you look back at that trade, and it was Palmieri and Zajac or Hall, and they made the 100% right decision. Palmieri's a net front presence. The goalie scored last night on the power play in a spot where Anders Lee would have been. 
He scores there. I'm sorry. Hall's a perimeter guy. He's not crashing the net on that. Travis Zajac, who played on the top line alongside Barzal yesterday, also played big minutes on the PK and on a couple of blocks. He did his job there. And last night, after the game, Brendan Montour was – excuse me, not Brendan Montour. Um, Braden Coburn was acquired. And everyone's going, why are you acquiring a 36-year-old depth defenseman? Well, first off, depth defenseman. He put on the taxi squad mostly with Ottawa. He's being brought in in case of an injury. We saw last year, Adam Pellick went down. Not once during the regular season, but in the playoffs as well. Look at what the Islanders have on depth defensively. Thomas Hickey, six foot. Sebastian Ajo, the Sebastian Ajo the Islanders have, 5'10". Braden Coburn's 6'5". If you need to put in a big body defenseman for whatever case in injury, depending on what team you play in the playoffs, he's a good fit. He's played, I think, in 135-plus playoff games over his career. He won a Stanley Cup last year. He's only, he only played in three games at Tampa in the playoffs last year, but he won a Stanley Cup. He gave up a 20-22 seventh-round pick. Steal. Steal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a lot of moves that we have to wait a little bit to see just how effective these players are in their new roles and who actually gets playing time. Like, I don't see Braden Coburn coming into this lineup anytime soon. He's really just no. a, a veteran depth piece that if someone were to get injured, he can step in. But like you said, you do need depth, right? That is an essential component to any team having playoff success. So with that in mind, uh, who is your winners of this trade deadline? Well, you have to look at the Islanders. Um, not that they're the top team. Maybe Florida's the top team. Even Toronto's done great things. But you look at the Islanders, and they had three needs. Goal scorer, net from presence, check, Palmieri. Depth forward, center, could play everywhere, versatile, check, Zajac. Depth defenseman, check. So, I mean, Coburn, check. So you did everything you had to do to put yourself in a position to be a prime team heading into the playoffs. You had cap constraints. You found a way to make that work with the retaining salary with the Zajac and Palmieri deal. That it, this is a perfect deadline for Lula Murillo. And yeah, do they have they want to get one more guy? Potentially, but you look at that lineup right now. It's one of the deeper lineups in the NHL. And again, being deep in the playoffs is a big thing. And Lula Murillo is going for it. He made the moves he needed to make. He's extremely happy with what he did. And now the Islanders are in a great spot to go on a big playoff run. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that the Islanders did a great thing there, right? It's hard to pick winners and losers right now, but the Islanders definitely have to be considered one of the favorites to come out as winners from this deadline. I really like what Montreal done depth wise with defense, but the Capitals and Red Wings just pulled. I think that the Red Wings now can be mentioned as a winner just because of the amount of future stock that they just brought in with two players who can slot into that NHL lineup right now. Uh, So those would be mine too, right? I, I would take the Red Wings and I would take the Canadians. I think the Canadians moves aren't big, but they're good enough for what that team needs right now. The other team I'll add is the Florida Panthers because this is a Florida Panthers team that right now is in third place, but they're all tied. Uh, excuse me, they're two points out of a top spot. Carolina's got fifty-eight, Lightning have fifty-eight, Florida has fifty-six, and not only did they add Brandon Montour to, on the back end with Ekblad out, they got Sam Bennett. Yep. They treat and they you know they got Calgary got in return a twenty twenty second second round pick and Emil Heineman. He's a forward, but Sam Bennett's one of those guys that wanted out. He desperately wanted out of Calgary, and he got his choice, and he goes to Florida. Florida also signed Gusev, and he might play in a top six role. Marchman can be moved down to a third-line role. Achari can go to the wing from playing the center on the third line. I mean, you made Florida a stronger team with the moves they've made, and they're in a tough division, and nobody saw this coming from Florida. We talked about it yesterday. They have a great guy behind the bench in Joe Quenneville. They have great goaltending this year. Bobrovsky does not have to be the only guy to get stuff done. Drieger's been great. So you look at this Florida team and what they did at the deadline, I think they've made some great moves. 
They did. They definitely did. But now it's time for the bad side of the trade deadline, right? The losers. And to me, the biggest one that sticks out is the Philadelphia Flyers. And after their GM came out and said that they were going to be buyers, they were looking to make trades to better this team. He still had faith in them. Wow, how the uh, tides have turned over the last week. And they wind up trading away, right? Eric Gustafson, they trade away Michael Roffel. They keep Lawton and sign him to a five-year deal. So nothing really to ride home about for them. They don't add anything. They move pieces. They only got a seventh-round pick for Gustafson. So nothing really that they're going to you know, be happy about there with the, uh, that trade. So a very bleh trade deadline for the Flyers. And they kind of have shown that they don't believe that they have what it takes to make the playoffs or contend this season. My loser, and it's real simple, the Buffalo Sabres. They were at an opportunity to help themselves in the future by getting good things back for Taylor Hall, for Montour. In total, they got a prospect, Anders Bork, who failed in Boston. Not saying he's not going to do well in Buffalo, but he failed in Boston. They got a, sec- a couple of second-round picks. You didn't have to make a trade. You know, Hall could have left, but they could have gotten much more. I think if they had really said, listen – he wants to be a broom, but we need this and this back. And they didn't get it. And half of this is on Hall. He had a terrible year. If he had put up 30 goals and they uh, Buffalo was still out of it, you're getting a lot more. So he didn't help his cause. But the Sabres' poor management has put them – they have not gotten better from giving away a young uh, defenseman, 27, in his prime in Montour, and superstar, if you want to call him a superstar, in Taylor Hall. They didn't get nearly enough back for what they gave up. No, they definitely did not. And I think that they're going to regret that, which is why the Eichel trade that seems like it's inevitable at this point becomes that much more important for that franchise because that's somebody that you know what the return should be. And you're definitely going to get a couple of picks, whether they're both first, first and second, plus prospects and players. Uh, you've got to make sure that you are scouting and picking who you want to come back in that type of trade. Uh, also, to make matters worse, Hall drove from Buffalo – to Boston, and then those teams face off. Taylor Hall may put up a hat trick, maybe four. He's going to go off against his former team. I guarantee it. And it's going to be the biggest slap in the face. I know Sabre fans are upset. They should be. I'm sorry. Bjork going back the other way. And the fact that Lazar and Hall came and all they had to give up was Bjork and a second. That's absurd. They got fleeced. They did. Fleeced. They did. I mean, Washington added some good pieces, too. So they're definitely going to be in contention for coming up with a winner spot, uh, depending on how they play out. But w- what a trade deadline, man. I'll, you know, we didn't look like it was going to get that exciting. But I'll add one more team, and not that any of it was needed. Colorado Avalanche did what they had to do as well. They get Soderberg. That is, a again, a versatile forward. He could play the wing. He could play center. He's been on Colorado before. He knows what it takes to win there. And Devin Dubnik, he is so happy to be part of this team. Someone asked him if he won the lottery. You go from a really bad Sharks team. We talked about it yesterday, but Dubik now is behind a fantastic defensive group. They got their depth as well. And it's going to be tough. I mean, Jan Mark goes to, goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. Those are the top two teams over there. It's going to be a battle. I want to see these teams play, but the Colorado Avalanche are a very good team, and they made themselves better this deadline as well. So I'm not going to say they're winners. I'm, they just did the right thing they needed to do. So Exactly. And one team that we haven't talked about yet that we mentioned on yesterday's show was the Natural Predators. I said that they were going to stand pat. They weren't going to make any big moves. That's exactly what they did, and they actually snuck one in, acquiring Eric Branson, a veteran defenseman, at the 3 p.m. deadline. Uh, and listen, that's a team that now they're smelling the playoffs, right? They, I don't think that they believe that they can win the Cup, but they believe that they can get in and try to make some noise. 
And by adding another sturdy defenseman, that's a team that loves defensemen. I mean, you think about the players that they have now on that team, plus who they've gotten rid of with Shea Weber and Seth Jones over the last few years. That's a team that knows how to draft, pick, and develop defensemen. So Branson's going to find himself in a good spot there, too. Yeah, another defenseman that was on the move waiver-wise is Sammy Vodden went to Dallas. And while Dallas is not technically out of it, they are six point out of a spot right now. But they have games in hand. They have games. Uh, they have played 40 games. Everyone else has played around 42 to 43. So they have games at hand. And Vaden's one of those guys we've talked about. For, for Dallas Stars, too, Vaden's a puck-moving defenseman. They have those as well. This defense is, is very good. You just got to see the offense game going a little more. Is Sagan coming back anytime soon? They, him and Bishop should be coming back in the next couple of weeks. So I would that, not. that's big trade deadline ads there, too. Yeah, you got to think about injuries coming back. How about Kucherov coming back for Lightning after what they've done? I mean, it's... There are so many elite teams in the NHL. And again, injuries are as good as deadline acquisitions. If Anders Lee were to come back for the Islanders at some point, it would have been fantastic. But it's, unfortunately for Lee's case, it's it's not going to happen. But look at this trade deadline, man. And trickling down to the final minutes afterwards, big trade. the biggest trade came through after the fact. So you had yep. a splash in the beginning with the Islanders getting Palmieri and Zajac, and you cap it off with a splash with Detroit and Capitals. So it was a fun one for sure. It definitely was, and it got fun late. And for Rangers fans that are sitting there saying, hey, why didn't you know Gorton do anything? There wasn't much for him to do, and he made it very apparent, but he did say a couple of things now in his press conference that I think is worth noting. He said that they have four recalls left, and they're really excited with what Morgan Barron has done. So there's a good chance that we could see Morgan Barron come up. Obviously, the Zach Jones signing, once he finishes quarantine, can he make the roster? And he mentioned Nils Lundqvist, and he said that they believe Nils Lundqvist will be wearing that Rangers uniform next season. It's always tough to get a European player to come over at the end of a season because of the world championships that are coming up. But next season, it should be Nils Lundqvist, which makes Lundqvist and Jones your third pairing on that defense. It's a really exciting time, regardless of what they did this trade deadline, which, in my opinion, standing pat and not doing anything was the right thing. I completely agree. Some people wanted Blackwell gone. That's a guy you got to keep. The way, the way he's played this year, you got to keep him and protect him. But for the Islanders' standpoint, Lula Murillo did address the media, and this is what he said. He said, the Isles have never said re-signing Zajac, Palmieri, or Coburn is out of the question. It's being considered they're all pending UFAs, and Braden Coburn is on his way from New York, uh, from Ottawa excuse me, to New York, but he'll have to satisfy the New York quarantine rules. That's at least four days um, per Lula Murillo before he's available. But again, he's not going to play in the final piece. Golishev, who they signed out of the KHL, is headed to North America soon and will head to Bridgeport AHL to start. So both the Islanders and Rangers do the right things at the deadline. Obviously, one team's going to contend for a Stanley Cup, while the other one is not. But the Rangers are very close to being an elite team. You just got to get all the pieces working together. You know, we saw last night in the Islander Ranger game. Rangers were fantastic in the second period. The better team probably in the third, I would say, as well. They just didn't get it done. If they play the way they play in that second period more consistently, talking about a team that's in the playoffs this year, and they, they didn't get that to happen this year. And for the Islanders, it was a very good first period, and it was a lackluster rest of the game. They got lucky that Pulak was able to break through in, in the overtime for his first goal of the season. It was it was electric in the Coliseum last night, but both teams stood pat. Uh, excuse me, both teams did the right thing at the deadline. And if you're a fan of either New York team, not Buffalo, because you know what they did, <laughs> it's unfortunate for the Devil fans that are listening as well. They did the right stuff too. They got a first round pick that they they wanted for Palmieri and Zajac, and they got prospects from the Islanders. They're not big name prospects, but they're depth players, and that's a young Devils team. And who knows if those players can fit in nicely in what they're trying to do there in New Jersey. Yeah, they also added Jonas Siegenthaler from Washington, who's a young defenseman, so we can see what he has too. And 
like you said, it's the neither team in the Rangers or Devils made anything outlandish, and that's what they had to do. The Islanders didn't make any major moves like a Taylor Hall, but they made a big enough move where they know that they're going to have what they need to compete for a Stanley Cup. So all three tri-state area teams did well. Buffalo did not. But this was an exciting end to the trade deadline and definitely a lot more to talk about come next week when we start to see all these guys take place on their new team. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.